This is a Federal News Network podcast. A lesser-known function of the Defense Department provides advisors or coaches to friendly foreign militaries. The Ministry of Defense Advisors program goes back a few years to the surge in Afghanistan. Now it has advisors embedded around the globe. Here with more on the program, the chief of the Institutional Capacity Building Division of the Defense Security Cooperation Agency, Laura Alami. Ms. Alami, good to have you on. Great to be here. Thank you. So give us a brief rundown on the background of this program. It goes back to 2009. It does. In 2009, the program was created to address operational requirements, focusing on a civilian-led defense institutions for Afghanistan and Iraq. And this program, the advisors that are sent out around the world then come from the civilian ranks of DOD career people, not the uniform ranks. Correct. In 2009, the department started looking at focusing on defense DOD civilians in order to leverage their expertise to work with their partners and counterparts in the Ministry of Defense of our partners. And where are people now besides Afghanistan? Are they all over the world at this point? Correct. In 2012, Congress gave us the authorization to go global, and our requirements are aligned to national defense strategy and objectives. So we do have people across the world in different countries to address those objectives. And who do they tend to work with? What are some other countries besides Afghanistan, for example? Currently, we have positions open up in Colombia. We have Fiji, Indonesia, Ukraine, again, obviously Iraq, all across the world. And do they deal with other civilians in the ministries, or do they deal with both them and uniform personnel? Anyone. So who's ever in those positions and offices within their ministries of defense. So it sounds like they might be advising in areas other than direct warfighting questions that surround militaries, you tell me, procurement, (laughs) for example, planning and that kind of thing? Correct. We work to support any capability gaps a partner may have in their institution. It could range from intelligence, human resources, strategy and policy, cyber, etc. So across the whole board, we can work with partners. So it's really tailored to that particular ministry in terms of what it needs. And do other countries tend to have what you might call the fourth estate or the ministerial part or the Pentagon part equivalent? in addition to their armed services as kind of separate operating units? Uh, They do, but it's different per country. Um, And again, we'll work with whatever they need to uh, help and to support their uh, capability gaps. And they have people probably that travel back and forth between those two areas as much as we do. Yeah, again, different per country. Yeah, you get the Pentagon duty and then you're back to your ship or back to your squadron or back to your platoon, whatever the case (laughs) might be. And how long do these assignments last generally? Uh, Most of our positions are uh, detailees from the DOD. So we are looking usually at one to two years where they're away from their host organization at DOD and working with the partner. And they spend the whole time there? They move in there for that duration? Absolutely. They're embedded with the ministry and they're sitting next to their counterparts, advising them on how to, uh, again, uh, build a capability. In some ways, it's an ambassadorial type of function. And does the State Department provide support in any way? Do they operate out of embassies and that kind of thing? How does it all work? Most of the time, they actually work out of the, the uh, under chief of mission at an embassy. You know, they're, they're mentors and they are advisors, but they're also first line relationship builders, which is one of our goals of security cooperation writ large. And they're able to work directly with the partner on the ground day to day. We're speaking with Laura Alami. She is the chief of institutional capacity building division of the Defense Security Cooperation Agency. And what do you look for in people that, say, want to do this type of work? 
we're looking for um, permanent GS 13, 14, 15 employees who have about 10 plus years of experience with the government. And besides that, what kinds of qualities they must have to be able to be teachers as well as just functionaries in some sense? Well, we actually have an intense advisor training for those people who are the subject matter experts who may not have the advising expertise. So they come to DSCU and it's sponsored by our Defense Security Cooperation University for seven weeks and have to be certified through that program where they learn advising skills, personal security skills, as well as stuff about the host country, culture, language, et cetera. Do they need to speak the language of the host country or are there translators available or do the host countries tend to speak English? On the, on the whole, uh, they're mostly, they don't need to learn a language, but sometimes that is a requirement. But there's also the ability to have translators. It, it really is country to country. And is there a particular area of topics or one topic that seems to be the most in demand by the host country? <laughs> you know, it really depends on what the U.S. national defense objectives are and priorities and the mutual interest with the partner. And that drives us and tells us what we need to help them with. So no, it's it, again, different per country, different per what we're trying the partner to, again, to help the partner achieve and what mutual challenges we're trying to address. Because I mentioned procurement and acquisition, and yes. then yep. a lot of countries have you know, different approaches, you might say, to put it euphemistically than the United States right. with respect to mm-hmm. vendor relations and, and the ethics right. and the laws surrounding that. But what are some of the other topics that tend to be in demand? Um, So again, like right now, we have an intelligence position we have open in Colombia. We have maritime domain awareness, which tends to be popular, and that's in Fiji and Indonesia. Human resources management is always a big issue. And again, you know, strategy and policy is is always important. So again, it depends on uh, the partner and, and and what role we're trying to address. At the moment, you have openings. How does the whole process work? Right. <laughs> the process works. We have relationships across the department to help us recruit and to get the word out to announce positions, to make sure that we have the senior subject matter experts that we need in order to advise our partners. So once we will put out an announcement um, in different ways, you can find out current positions at DSEA's Institute for Security Governance's website, where it says work with us, and you will see the different positions open. And then that individual gets vetted across all the stakeholders. So you're talking about DSCA, the Office of the Secretary of Defense for Policy, the Geographic Combatant Command, and the U.S. Embassy, and sometimes the host nation themselves. And if vetted and selected, then they go to the training, and that is their certification is the final step in becoming a MODA advisor. Got it. And when they are in a location, is it generally the case that the U.S. military also has some contingent of uniformed people nearby or in that country? Uh, Again, different per country. Sure. And do they check in with some of the military people from time to time when over there just to make sure everybody's on the same page? Yeah, again, it's a holistic program. The individual works very closely with the security cooperation office at the embassy, which is the one who's going to be the one to integrate all the different pieces that DOD is doing on the ground. So, yes, there's there's integration to make sure it's a holistic approach. And one point I wanted to come back to, you mentioned that part of the seven week training involves personal security. Is mm-hmm. That tends to be an issue, I guess, in a lot of places nowadays. It does for some. Um, again, a, a big contingent of our program does go to Afghanistan, and that is, is something that is required. Um, but for others, it really depends on where they're going and the requirements of the country and the embassy. And what are the housing situation and all that? Do families go with the people when they're away for a year? And tell us about the right. the human aspect of it. Right. Absolutely. Again, it depends on the location and it depends on, uh, again, the embassy's requirements. 
So some, if family's allowed, they go. And we just follow those rules, the general foreign affairs rules that go with the embassy because they fall under them and their responsibility while they're over there. Got it. Sounds like pretty exciting proposition <laughs> for someone. It is an exciting program. Yeah, we feel, you know, it is one of those, um, it is a key program in our security cooperation uh, institutional capacity building toolkit. It addresses our national security and national defense strategies, as well as the guidance for the development of alliances and partnership, the new DOD guidance that's intended to inform both near-term security cooperation and longer-term strategic and force planning with allies and partners. Uh, And we just think it's a great experience all around. It's mutual beneficial for us as well as for the partner uh, and for the personal, for both of you know, it pays professional and personal dividends. But in general, you find there is demand from the country, as they say, we would love to have one of your experts on XYZ topic join us for a year. Absolutely. And MODA is one of a more of a holistic approach that we do with our partners for strengthening partner defense institution. You know, the U.S. supplies them with the most advanced defense equipment in the world and services associated with them. And then on top of that, we provide education, training, advice, and expertise from the most advanced military in the world. So this integrated approach allows them to absorb, maintain, and sustain their defense and security capabilities. They're right downrange with our partners, and they facilitate the development of the long-term relationships between us and our partner, which is extremely, you know, and a mutual benefit between us that allows us to address our shared challenges together. Sure. So they really are ambassadors in in that sense, maybe not officially, but in in reality. (laughs) Yeah. No, they're working day-to-day directly with the partner and, you know, representing the United States with that partner. Laura Alami is chief of the Institutional Capacity Building Division of the Defense Security Cooperation Agency. Thanks so much for joining me. My pleasure. We'll post this interview along with a link to more information at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.